Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. As an MSP managing the security of multiple clients, ensuring you can quickly and efficiently respond to security incidents across your clients is critical to reducing the severity and consequences. Trend Micro's SOC as a Service solution, tailored for MSPs, not only augments your existing team with security expertise, but also proactively hunts for threats and indicators of attack across your entire customer base. We call this multi-tenant detection and response. Learn more and get the MSP SOC as a Service playbook using the link in the show notes or visit trendmicro.com MSP. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today uh, by Cam Robertson, who is with Beachhead Technology. And uh, it's really kind of an interesting thing that the topic today is about acronyms. So we're going to talk about how you should buy your technology or buy your, your security products by not paying attention to the acronyms. How's that sound? So Cam, welcome. It's nice to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. I appreciate it. So why don't yeah. we start with uh, uh, your background? How did you get where you are and what is uh, Beachhead Technologies? Uh, well, uh, you know, I've, I've actually been with the firm since, since its inception. Uh, I came, interestingly enough, I owned an ad agency of all things, and this was one of my clients. And uh, just about the time I was ready to divest from the ad agency, uh, these guys uh, said, hey, how about uh, helping us with our, with our marketing? And so I came on board back then, now many years ago, to assist with their, their marketing efforts. And uh, ultimately, we sort of pivoted, let's say, eight years ago to the, uh, to the MSP space. Uh, and now I handle, you know, just about anything sales or marketing for, for the firm. Very cool. And uh, so what is Beachhead and what do you do? Well, Beachhead is, uh, you know, we have been known, let's say, as the, what I'd like to consider to be the best encryption management and deployment platform. Uh, but we've, we've sort of pivoted. We continue to add functionality to our product and and really now I'd, I'd like to think that we are the best encryption platform, but also the best access control platform to prevent uh, you know, uh, data risk or data threat from a variety of hosts, including you know, insider threat, uh, lost and stolen devices, uh, poor user security hygiene. Uh, and these things can be done both you know, from our administration console, you know, remove access, kill data, if, if that's the appropriate response. And today, automatically through what we call our risk responder, notably not an acronym, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that protects automatically against those, those risks. So, all right. So let me dig in just a tiny bit. I want to make sure that listeners know what they would be buying if they engage with you. So, 
the most obvious example that pops into my head is I have a laptop. I want to encrypt it so I can go to Mexico. And if it gets lost or stolen, I push a button and it magically, uh, all the data disappears and uh, I'm good. Is that a start? I think that's a very good start. So, so generally speaking, you know, you lose that computer or it's ripped off. Um, it's protected by passwords. If uh, somebody doesn't know the password and attempt to take that drive out and look at the data, they're out of luck, right? There's, there's no credentials by which to uh, access the encrypted contents or decrypt them. So, so you're protected from that perspective. If, however, somebody knows the password or has stolen the password or is able to engineer the password or something of that nature, you're still at risk because the data, you know, once a system is authenticated, the data is available to whomever, right? Right. Because I, I can, I can put BitLocker on there, and then if somebody accesses it and doesn't know the password, BitLocker keeps them out. But if they do know the password, I'm SOL, which is an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And one, unlike many of these today that I'm familiar with. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It, it, it's, it, the password, knowing the password, the credentials, the hash to the keys basically opens it all up. And uh, it, it's, it's our belief that you need protection beyond that. You need the ability to, you know, either reach out and, and take defensive action under those circumstances uh, from, you know, from manually or... Uh, in our case, we have tools by which it can be done automatically for you. All right. So, so what's involved in the manual process? Because, like, if my wallet's stolen, I go online and I, you know, Capital One nukes my my credit card and it can't be used. Right. So, is this a similar thing? I go to uh, Beachhead and I say, "Nuke that laptop." Now we make it a little bit more difficult to nuke, and nuking is something that we would suggest if you know it's been stolen because it ain't coming back. In most cases, uh, we would recommend a quarantine from either the automated, what we call risk responder, or from the administration console because the quarantine is essentially recoverable, right? It eliminates your access to that the data, uh, but I can push a button again on the console, give you access right back. And because our product takes automatic responses against risk threshold, and I could explain more if you'd like, um, we do not want it to be forever and permanent because it in fact may be a false positive. It may be right. that you left at the airport and it's been found and lost and found. And so, there, so, so there's a difference, obviously, and credit cards are actually a great idea. You lose your credit card, but you lost it under your pillow of your couch. <laughs> so- yeah. If you nuke it, it's gone. You get a new credit card in a, in a week, but uh, then you find your credit card and you go, all right, yeah. a laptop is missing. We can basically put it on hold. So what what's the experience of what's the experience of the thief? They open the laptop and they're like, oh, here's a post-it note with the uh, password, <laughs> uh, yeah. right? Or it's, you know, it's taped to the bottom or whatever. So they've entered the password. What what do they see? Well, basically, it depends on the, the, the quarantine definition, and you would have control over that. But under our recommended uh, rules, you'd be able to authenticate the system. You'd be able to open it up, but you would not have the encryption key by which to decrypt uh, the individual files. 
And so I, I should back up just a bit. We actually layer encryption. So we in fact do enforce BitLocker, but as you had just described earlier, BitLocker is defeated the moment you authenticate. If however, you from the administration console has have removed the key on that device, they will not be able to decrypt the contents of those individual files. They are in fact gibberish. You'd get a message that said essentially, access to this file is denied. Uh, uh, the, the administrator would also get that same notification. We have quarantined that device, user has no access to it. Now, all good if it's a thief, not so good if it's you, right? A legitimate authorized user who lost their computer as the MSP or SOC, I would push the button and the key would go back down and automatically everything is restored. So it's a, it's a way by which to mitigate those risks. I'm assuming this is sold through IT service providers who then manage it for their client. And you mentioned a console. So I've, I get a console with my clients and their machines. Correct. And so what's involved in deploying this? Do I put an agent on a machine or do, what do we do? It's exactly that. It's an MSI Macintosh. If you're looking to protect Macs, we have them for uh, iOS and Android phones and tablets and USB storage. So it depends on the, the platform by which you're aiming to protect, but ultimately, yeah, just as you described, an agent that is sitting on that device, enforcing the encryption policies, uh, uploading information to the server, which we host. There's nothing for the, the, the MSP partner to host. Uh, and that information about the logged in user, where it's at, uh, the, the encryption uh, status, any security rules that may have transpired is of course presented in the administration console. So, so you said a USB key that I, I can have a, an external hard drive or even just a whatever, 256 S, um, USB key and, and we can encrypt that. How do you identify those? Cause I might have a dozen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, interestingly enough, we, we, we log them all and we enforce not only encryption on those devices but an authentication policy. So if I were to plug it in here, for instance, I would wish to put data from my PC onto that device, I will be forced to follow the policies that you would set forth, which by at minimum are to encrypt it and to provide an authentication uh, credentials, username and password. So I do so, I, I plug it in, I get it all encrypted, I'm done, I wanna hand it to you, you take it, plug it into your device, you will need to authenticate with the proper credentials, then it will decrypt and provide access to those files to you. We put a comm module on it also, it's gonna phone home to the server. And in doing so, it's gonna give you the same ability you would have with a PC on that USB stick. So wherever that USB stick is, you would enjoy the ability to blow it up just as you would a PC or quarantine the device. Right. So I can send a USB hard drive across the country, across the world, and know that if it goes missing, nobody can get into it because I'm sending the credentials in a separate package. Right, right. right. Or over an email or, or something, so. Yeah, but, and the other thing you could do, you, you have a, an option for an even more secure approach, and that is to make it authenticate to the server so that you always have the ability to revoke authentication. 
Now that for a guy like you who travels as much as I know you do. Might be a good might, idea. <laughs> well, it might be, it might also present a problem on your airplane that has shoddy Wi-Fi. You may not have access to that USB storage. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you use it when you need it and where you need it. So what's the deal with uh, acronyms? So you're, you're like, you're, you, you just don't like acronyms? <laughs> Can't stay up with them, Carl. <laughs> and I, I listened to your uh, podcast with Tony Mangle for from uh, Field Effect. I thought, gee, I'm not the only one. <laughs> but I, I'm constantly looking them up, googling them. You know, and I consider myself reasonably intelligent and in the in, you know in our uh, technology space. But they they they're changing, and new ones emerge every day. It seems, and I'm like having to catch up with them. And my, my belief is that while we may get comfortable with them uh, and our MSP partners are, um, it becomes a, a difficult sell to their clients in that you can't just say, we're gonna deploy EDR and SIM and a this and a that. Largely many of our end clients don't understand what those things are. Right. And it sort of starts to sound like they're selling you undercoating and an extended yeah. warranty. Well, you know, it's funny. When I was in college and I, I taught college for 10 years, I always was taught the first time you use an acronym, you define it, right? So if you say, you know, we're going to be at the SOC. Oh, what's that? Well, that's the Security Operations Center. Okay. But I see even in magazines and websites, people use these acronyms and they don't define it the first time, which is good five years in. But if it's a new technology or a new acronym, because we have new acronyms for old technology sometimes too, it's just a good practice to tell people what you're talking about. But also to a client, okay, I define SOC. They still have no idea what it means. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, I see the words. Every one of those words is understandable to me. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> no, you couldn't be more right. You know, funny, we, we've developed a new feature that's part of our Beachhead Secure offering. And I, probably more recent than I'd care to admit, was looking up EDR, Endpoint Detection Response. I said, that's exactly what our product does, except for, you know, it's, it's open to interpretation Different vendors have used that. It's largely associated with, you know, sort of the, the high-end zero-day, you know, threat detection for virus and malware and so on and so forth, which isn't what we do. But nonetheless, you know, one's definition of an acronym can vary, could be different. There can be a lot of overlap. And, you know, as Tony uh, sort of solidified in my head, and I have these conversations often with our partners, you know, they're, they're confused as well. And so to your point, I think that's exactly right. You, if you're going to use an acronym, you need to be able to articulate really what it is that it's doing, what threat it's addressing, what threat it's mitigating. The MSP should be articulate about describing the threat vector and what they're doing to address that threat vector. The, the client doesn't care. Like they, they want their stuff to be safe. They want to know that it's usable and there's this balance between usability and security. And we've, you know, fought with passwords and whatever for 30 or 40 years. Um, but at the end of the day, clients 
want to know what does it really do for me? What's the benefit? I, I'm giving you money. You're going to give me an acronym. What's the benefit to the you know fully buzzword compliable technology, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just want to take a second and make sure people know that your website, beachheadsolutions.com, and we'll put a link down below. What should we do? How should we approach buying our security products if we don't want to pay attention to the acronyms? Like, do we do we look at the benefits first? Do we look at the technology first? Um, how, how do we weed through three different things that are, have the same name? Yeah, I, I think I would, you know, in my opinion, avoid use of, of the acronym altogether. I would start with the threat. You know, what is the threat? And today, of course, everybody's concerned, rightfully about ransomware. That's the big the big risk today. And in many respects, I think it's kind of raised all boats, as they say. Now, at least clients are starting to think, you know, this could happen to me. This is a threat. I need to have a better security posture than I have in the past. And therefore, maybe I'm more receptive to these tools. You know, historically, security has been um, a little bit of a tough sell, right? You You can't see it. And if you don't see evidence that it is in fact, you know, mitigated or, or eliminated a, a threat, then it's, it's a little bit difficult to understand its value. You know, that, that's been part of it. That, that has, I think, is slowly changing. I think that the bargain basement uh, clients that are looking for or attempting to commoditize the MSP service and get the lowest price possible, I think they're going to have fewer options, or at least I hope. But, but that's been a challenge with security uh, as a rule. And I think the, that it's sort of ag- exacerbated by the overuse, perhaps, of, of the acronym. It's just not, you've got to be able to see it, touch it, taste it, whatever, you know, right. before it, it has a tangible benefit. And so I believe, I, I think I'm answering in a long-winded fashion, you start with a threat, you articulate that threat, and then articulate specifically what you're going to be doing as a result. So, all right. So you're you're a marketing guy from the marketing side of the house. I go to beachheadsolutions.com. I want to be your partner. Do you have materials to help me get this messaging out? Absolutely. We have a, a feature that is this automated approach against risks. This is going to happen independent of your action on the administration console you know, as to how I call it the risk responder. I think I mentioned it before. Uh, the MSP can use this tool to sort of promote a, a, a more holistic and comprehensive security approach, not just against ransomware, a ton of very good solutions out there, uh, but the other risks, the insider risk, the poor user security hygiene, the compliancy lapses and potential breach, uh, those sorts of things. And, and this product is seeable. I mean, it is something that, a, that a, uh, an MSP can go to their client and say, here's how we're going to treat consecutive invalid logons. We're going to take these actions. And as that risk escalates, it's going to take punitive action against that user because it's sort of evident that there's a problem there. So, so what do you mean? Like an employee? Well, it could be, or, or it could thief. be, you don't know. That device, especially with the work from home thing, may be in the wrong hands. Somebody with the wrong password or somebody who's traveled outside of a, 
geofence perimeter that's ah, absolutely right. unacceptable. It's really how you define the risk and, and the response appropriate for that risk. You can have, you know, with the risk responder, you can have it automatically, you know, very benign, just log the event or send an alert to your SOC team or your help desk or run a script or present a dialogue to the user or shut it down or a variety of different things. And if the risk gets excessive, you could have it take action to remove access in the way that we talked That's about. That's interesting. Before. Yeah, I have I have a few websites where I've got this tool that, you know, one failed log on, you know, we, we put it in the log. Five, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you're locked out for a certain period of time, you know, 105 within seven seconds. Well, you know, <laughs> have a nice day. You're gone. <laughs> right. But yeah, so, so that makes perfect sense, especially since... Security is more complicated than ever. And it's and part of it because like, you know, today, well, is it HIPAA compliant? Well, that's one set of rules. Uh, you know, is it is it within, is it regulated by FINRA? Well, that's a different set of rules. Um, and so there's different kinds of responses. And the geo thing I hadn't even thought about, but we also have that like data can't move from here to there, period. Right. And so how do you possibly enforce that? Because, you know, it, it wasn't very many years ago where, if you had an SD card, you could take my data anywhere on earth. There's there's no way to stop you. Um, right. And so we just literally can't allow that to happen anymore. It's not secure. Right. And, and it may be different from for a desktop than it is for a laptop. You know, my laptop travels all over the states. Yours probably all over the world. That may be acceptable. But that desktop, it ain't supposed to go outside the, the door. So right. therefore, you know, you might have a, a risk responder that responds a little bit more aggressively against that thing traveling, you know, outside in, the door. In which files does it secure? Because, for example, my laptop, I try to be religious about it. It's not it doesn't have any usable data on it in the sense of like it literally my laptop has a 256 gig hard drive. It's it's not big enough to hold my videos, my shows, my right. It's big enough to access my cloud storage. That's the part that needs to be secure. It's one thing to say you're going to encrypt uh, an MP4 or, or a bunch of files on the hard drive, but how do you stop the thief from authenticating the login and then getting to, uh, getting to my cloud drive? Right. Well, we, we, we make no distinction about you know, what's sensitive and what's not. We assume... Uh, particularly because the users involved, that everything's sensitive. We enforce and manage BitLocker, and then we enforce a file and folder-based system that's essentially scouring your drive and getting everything. And that is the second layer of encryption. That data is has got the second set of keys that's going to protect it against prying eyes of somebody within the company or somebody coming in from an external remote desktop uh, service or something of that nature. So that data is encrypted to you and your profile and we're going to And does the MSP have to be involved is this something that I could give a console to a client and they can nuke their employees or whatever uh, manage data that way It's really well there's a couple things Carl we we allow for commits right a co-managed arrangement with you know the MSP can provide to their more knowledgeable let's say clients uh, but ultimately um and they can collaborate, right? So, so you may want to sit with your client and determine what it is, what's appropriate for their environment. Are they compl you know, compliance-driven? Are they 
dealing with super sensitive data on those automated risk responders, tweaking it just appropriate for them. They may say, you know, under no circumstance should data ever travel outside these three counties. Therefore, if it does, it's a risk, it's, a, it's in the wrong hands out or with a, you know, rogue employee take action. Some of the, the, those things are automated. Others are, you know, maybe a SOC team. We've got a lot of SOC providers who are, you know, really analyzing what data that we provide and taking action accordingly. But an MSP can give access if they choose to their client to quarantine and restore from quarantine. So if they know or hear of, you know, their employee says, uh, we lost the computer at the, the airport. Don't know if it's been ripped off. It may have just been misplaced or my kid took it over here or whatnot. They can give that access to their client. Not setting policies, not setting the risk responders, but taking right. those immediate actions to prevent the data from possible. So uh, if a client suspends and say, oh, you know, I don't know what's going on, but that 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 laptop was in the conference room and now it's not. So they suspend access to that laptop. Can they then call the MSP and say, can you unsuspend this laptop? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, if they have the comments, they can call their own internal the help desk and, and have it done. And it literally is a button push. So the key in, in the case of the, the adoption of the preferred quarantine is to wipe just the, the keys. The keys are pushed back down. The, the data recognizes that on, on open and therefore it's decrypted and available. It's that simple. On cell phones, uh, is it fairly easy to deploy? Do you have to uh, go to the store and install a widget and you know what's, what's involved on the cell phone? No, super easy to, to, to deploy. Uh, in the in the case of you know some of the things like the risk responder aren't yet available on the phone or, or tablet, uh, but essentially what some don't recognize this or know this, but those devices today out of the box are encrypted, right? As long as they're behind authentication, so it's important that the device not be hanging around, sitting around because it's vulnerable. So our a tool will, uh, you know, allow you to enforce lockouts, password length, strength, and so forth. And you do have the ability to reach out and quarantine or kill if you need to, but very easy. Um, and I suspect we will develop some of those risk responder tools for, for phones and tablets, uh, given some time. It is interesting how many devices exist in the world with the ability to be secure but security is off by default. It's like, it's 2022, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there, you know, it's, it, it, there's been a lot of times there's the pushback from the, from the users. And so you got to enforce it or make it such that it's uh, tolerable, you know, a trust but verify approach. Right. Well, like I said, you know, we're always in that balance between usability and security. Right? Exactly. That's oldest, oldest story in technology. So. That's Exactly right, Carl. Very good. Well, we're basically out of time, but I want to give the website one more time. And of course, we have your LinkedIn and some other stuff down below, but it's beachheadsolutions.com. Cam, Cam Robertson, which does not have a T in any part of the name. <laughs> yes, sir. I think I mispronounced it at the beginning. Uh, anyway, th thanks for being with us again. It's always great to talk to you. And with luck, I'll have you back. I, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. I will see you, I think, in March, by the way. So uh, I've come to you. I believe so. 
Excellent. All right. Well, wear a coat. Oh, I got to go buy a coat. I'm going to Chicago in March. <laughs> you got tons of coats. Come on. All righty. Thanks, Cam. And I will see you another time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.